1: Welcome back, hey listeners. We have we are going to pick up where we left off yesterday. Thank you for all the great emails and texts about the content we're presenting to you. Sometimes, I would say 50% of the time, I often wonder if Julie and I may have taken it too far, whether we've pushed you too far, or made you too uncomfortable. And then we rarely get complaints, but we always get people saying that they appreciated the fact that we helped push them into their discomfort zone, and from there they were able to actually maybe see things from a slightly different perspective that makes all the difference. You know, it's interesting, guys, if you think about the fact that a lot of you are on these long, straight lines in your lives, right? You've been doing the same thing over and over and over again, kind of getting the same results over and over again. You know, know, things aren't necessarily getting marketably worse and they're not getting marketably better. All it takes is a slight little, you know, tilt. All it takes is a slight little direction change and then your whole life changes because you're on a completely different path. One degrees, two degrees, three degrees in a slightly different direction, and then all of a sudden everything changes in your life. Well, that's, that's ideally what we're doing on this podcast and what we certainly do in our coaching program. Julie, welcome to today's podcast.
2: Yes, thank you. It is my pleasure to share it with you. And, you know, I, I think that uh, we've got some great points here. Hopefully they don't just say, hey, that was fun to listen to, but we also uh, are giving them something to take action on.
1: That's right. So, listeners, we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday, and and before we get to our next point, I want to remind all of you that at any time, you can text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996, and when you do, we're going to text you directly back a link. Click on the link, and then you're going to go and download the Real Estate Treasure Map. The Real Estate Treasure Map is your fill-in-the-blank business and uh, life uh, plan, and when you have the Real Estate Treasure Map completed, it's going to give you that very- sense of direction that you've been hoping to have. After you complete it, and I'm not telling you it's going to be some easy walk in the park because it's going to force you to do some introspection, and in addition to that, it's going to force you to actually go through and know your financial numbers. But when you do, you're going to end up knowing what your real estate magic number is, which is the whole point of the real estate treasure map, and then once you know what that magic number is, and we're going to talk about that a little bit maybe today or tomorrow on this podcast with these points we are presenting to you guys, I promise you on the other side of having that knowledge You will feel a thousand percent more in control, a thousand percent less likely to do the stupid things that agents do every single day with buying leads and worrying about branding and all that. If you guys didn't listen to yesterday's podcast, you need to go back and listen to it because we talked a lot about the insanity of branding. Um, You know, and I don't want to talk about it much more today. If you guys text me and let me know that you want us to drill down on that more, I'll be more than happy to. But here's the real bottom line don't waste your time branding, waste your time. Don't waste your time doing anything that's going to be anything remotely resembling. Uh, hitting the easy button what you're really trying to do and what they're trying to convince you to do all these people selling you branding Is they're trying to convince you that you can buy a good reputation Through fancy pictures and all this other branding garbage, and it's an absolute lie you can't Your a good reputation is what you really want And and what's happened is is a lot of you have confused branding. Oh, I have a good brand My brand is everything you've confused that with the truth, which is reputation So I'm going to say this so you're very very clear and then we're going to get to the next point. You cannot buy a good reputation and branding won't get you it won't buy you a good reputation. But once you have a good reputation, your brand becomes that of someone who actually solves people's problems. So if you ask yourself why it is ultimately that you're attracted to the whole idea of branding yourself, it's because you think, and it's not true, but you think that once you establish yourself as a brand, that people are going to call you and want to do business with you. That's not true. That's not how life works. They're going to call and do business with you when you've established yourself as being someone who's a, a successful product. Problem solver for other people. It does not matter who it is that Julie and I coach or talk with. When you ask them where their business came from, and all of our top producing agents that we personally coach, they'll know. And you look at their list 100, 200, 500 houses that, they're in, that they transacted in like the last year or two, and you add up where the business came from. Without a doubt, the the primary sources of business are going to be depending on how long they've been in the business, it's going to vary. If they've not been in the business for say more than 5 years, it's going to become pro, it's going to come from proactive lead generation. More than 5 years, then you're going to start seeing a proactive lead generation balance out with um, centers of influence and past clients. When they look at, and they're really being honest and they look at their branding and their social networking and their websites and all those other garbagey things that you guys waste your money on, when you look at all those things and you add add up where the business actually came from and what percent of the business came from those things, it's depressing how virtually none comes from it. It's certainly not worth the effort or time. So then if you know what I'm saying is true, which intuitively I already know you do, then you know, you're not going to want to be tempted by all these easy button things except if you're one of the people, which is most of you, who's going to want to avoid the real work of real estate, which is learning how to be of service to other people. So Julie, let's get on to our next point.
2: Yes, so we're talking about uh, the ten secrets mega hey, agents Jules. do know, and you probably don't know.
1: Yes. Uh, so you're you're in a little bit of an echo area. I'm sorry. Come back to where, uh, just if you can, just you know, it is what it is. is.
2: Right, we'll try <laughs> right? it out. Okay. So point of yeah, reference. we're, three we're still we're, with
1: we're still getting our new studio <laughs> set up here in Puerto Rico. We haven't put up all the spot. sound. We haven't put up all of our sound boards yet. <laughs> so there's a <laughs> list so frustrating, but it is what it is. So bear with us. The audio quality is not what you should be paying attention to. Pay attention to the content. So Julie, go ahead to the next point.
2: Yes. Point number three, on your way up, friends may become frenemies. And you and I had talked about the analogy of crabs in the bucket. You know why you don't need a lid on a bucket of crabs? Because even if you are the most motivated crab in the world, you are inspired, you are ready to get out of that bucket, you're climbing your way to the top guess what? All of your crab friends are going to keep you in that bucket by pulling you right back down. And sometimes that happens when you become more and more successful. Not all of your friends, but be aware that some of them will not be able to process your success the same way you'd like them to. And that doesn't mean that you can't still be associates. It just means your relationship may change and you probably will be upgrading your friends as well to be maybe less like the crabs in the bucket. Back to you, Tim.
1: (laughs) you said it perfectly and that really is the bottom line and I'll, he, this is such a insidious thing that happens when you're becoming more successful at anything it's not just money guys you could become you know better shape physically you could become you know just so many different ways that you can improve yourself and when you do you're going to find And it's insidious. It's insidious because it slips under your radar that some of your best friends, the people that are supposed to care the most about you, your family members, they're the ones that are going to start basically trying to pull you back in that bucket. There's so many coaching clients that we've had over the years who've ascended their upbringings ascended their maybe lack of education or formal you know all the things that people have to move past in order to become successful in life and then what happened is they level off and if they're not introspective is why they're leveling off and the reason is is because for them to go to the next level it doesn't require that much more work just slightly changing direction again by maybe three to five percent what really really is going to hold them back is that their friends will start literally saying to them why isn't this good enough for you? Or they'll just do it in other ways. They'll say, dude, you're working too hard. Why don't you just, you know, blah, 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 blah. that's how it snowballs. And then some of your, it, what really is hard, and it's hard for me personally, when Julie and I, this was back when we were our 20s, um, we had family members that would essentially just blackball this for long periods of time. And and to be honest with you, I still do. My brother, he hasn't talked to me in forever. And why? It's because they have issues, and this is not something I'm an expert at. I'm not a psychologist, but if you get to the heart of it, it's because they have issues with the fact that we transcended how they originally saw us, and they can't maybe emotionally deal with the people who we, that we've become, and that will be the same for you guys too. So what I'm here to tell you is as you ascend, you're going to have – friends turn to frenemies. You're going to have office friends turn to frenemies. You're going to have family members turn to frenemies. You're going to have people that are going to start acting in really ugly ways to you. And you're saying, Tim, why would I want more success? Because what Julie said, because once you reach the different, once you start transcending to a different level, you will You will create a whole new group of friends that also have gone through the same level of bullshit as you have to get to where they are. And that's the cool thing about life. You just climb a little bit higher on the ladder. And, you know, the the visualization that I give coaching clients when they're dealing with this is I say, so here's what's going to happen. You've been at this base camp on on this big climb up this big mountain. You've been at this base camp for a long time, and everybody there is happy. They're like, I don't want to go down the mountain. I don't want to go back up the mountain. I like the view here. It's great. We've got the tents all in the right spot. The campfire works great. Everybody's happy. And then one day you wake up and you say, you know what, I want my view to be a little bit better. I want the air to be a little bit fresher. I want to have a different experience. And everyone at the base camp is like, what the heck are you thinking about? Why would you want to go to a higher level? And then what you say, look, there's something inside of me that knows that I can do it. I have this innate desire to, you know, there's something really that a spark, an epiphany. Maybe it's listening to this podcast, or maybe it's listening to our, or reading our book, Harris Rules. Something's going to motivate you to want to go to the next level. And when you do, and you know you want to, you're going to, the people that are at that base camp, some of them actually, eventually, over time, they'll follow you. They'll say, "Hey, this is the path that Bob took up the mountain to the next level." Many of them won't. Many of them will stay there and will just eventually become, you know, distant friends. And that's sad, but that's the nature of life. But what's going to happen is, as you're climbing to the next level. You're going to meet other people who just left the comfort of their old base camps on the way to to the same next level, and then you've got some climbing buddies, and then once you get to the new next level, you're going to run into people that have all these shared life experiences from having actually done what you did. They, too, had to leave, leave the comfort and the familiarity of the old base camp to get to where they are now, and damn, that view's better, and then guess what happens? One day, you're going to say, hmm, you know what? This view is better than the first one, but... I bet you the view on the next one a hell of a lot better. <laughs> then you're going to do it again. That's the nature of life, and don't be afraid of it. And understand that on your way up, you're going to make new friends, and once you arrive, you'll make new friends. That's the way life works. All right, Julie, next point.
2: All right, that's right. So next is point number four. The mega producers know that their success comes down to just one number, the magic number. We talk about the magic number a lot. We refer to it all the time. It's in the Harris Rules book. It is in the treasure map. What is it? It's the number of listings, listings you must have at all times, actives, in order to create the number of transactions consistently month over month that you need to meet or exceed your goals, the magic number of listings. I had a, a very specific conversation with a, an elite coaching client that just started with us yesterday. She's been in business 30-plus years. She's got a lot of things figured out. She has all of her spokes sorted out. She goes after expireds, for example, has great past-client relationships and repeat business. But she's been a little bit off of her game. She's returning back, ready to kick some butt. She knows about the magic number. And we did some calculations, and we figured out, because she's got very low average days on the market in her market, in order to meet or exceed her goals, we've got to get to five active listings by March 15th. It's very specific. It's not 20 different numbers. It's not a big matrix. It's not a whole spreadsheet of stuff. It is a simple fact that in order for her to get back to consistency, she needs five actives at all times, not, you know, actives and pendings. They've got to be actives. In other words, once she gets to five, she's going to replace them as they sell. That's the magic number. I know a lot of you guys are living off of buyer action, and that's fine. We want to help buyers as well. But once you get a buyer in contract, you know, they're pending, they close, they go away. Listings generate other business. That's the main difference. Back to you, Tim. Well,
1: so the real estate magic number formula is exactly what Julie just said. Now, you can figure out what your real estate magic number formula or your real estate magic number is by completing the formula. And guess what? That's part of the real estate treasure map. That's really the heart of it. The reason that the process through our real estate treasure map is complicated is because we want you to absolutely positively think like a business owner. And a business owner is going to have a drilled down plan, not just a goal, but an actual plan to follow up with a goal. You can get that for free. Just download it now. Text the word Harris. H-A-R-R-I-S to 31996. Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S to 31996. Imagine when you know what your magic number formula is. In other words, you know what your magic number is. Julie's example was, you know, I'll give you an easy example. That way you can wrap all your minds around this, okay? Because I could tell Julie was talking about somebody who had a high average sale price. So let's say, yeah, for example, you're selling, you're selling real estate in an area, and you live in an area where you need approximately $10,000 per month, Okay. So you're you don't wanna we don't really Our focus in our coaching company is teaching agents how to be powerful listing agents. That's really what the heart and soul of our coaching organization is, but it's also where your focus should be because the oldest saying in real estate is you've got to list to last, and that's always going to be true. So if you're not primarily a listing agent, you're always going to be basically having to chase that buyer and hoping and praying that the buyer is going to close. The logic behind that, the really unequivocal making sense logic behind it, the common sense behind it is this. There's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. A buyer can always stay where they are. They can always keep renting. They can always just stay in their current house. A buyer is never going to be motivated as a seller. There are examples of sellers that have to sell. So sellers that have financial issues, sellers that have all kinds of I – mean, you can make a list of easily 20 or 30 different types of sellers that have to sell. You cannot think of one example of a buyer that has to buy. And those of you guys who chase buyers, especially those of you who have been seduced by buying buyer leads, which is really the – honestly, it's the stupidest thing to ever come to the real estate industry because buyer leads are so easy to get. Just do an open house. There you go. So you guys are buying buyer leads, and you're putting them in your drip campaigns, and you're cultivating your leads, and you're at, you know, doing this expensive CRM, and you're buying more buyer leads, and you're adding up. this insanity that has been normalized over the last decade with regards to buyers. Guys, it's just going to keep you on the hamster wheel forever. The way you have independence and power in this business, the way you have freedom, is that you have to learn how to become a powerful listing agent. So let's get back to our example of needing $10,000 per month. I don't choose that number lightly. I know it's a number that resonates with most of you because that's what most of you live on. So if you had, if you're selling real estate, let's say, in a place where the average sale price is $325,000, Okay, I think we're back. There's one of the wonderful uh, charms of I think running, so. a internet, <laughs> running an internet-based company out of Puerto Rico. Sometimes mm-hmm. some things are going to just break. So hopefully you guys stayed with, stayed with us. So we're going to pick it up. Okay, I'll probably have someone edit if, in case it's, I have, we're yep. successful editing the audio. Then you don't realize we just got dropped to like 15 annoying seconds. So here's the number. You have, if you are selling real estate where your average commission, let's say, is $10,000 getting to the punchline and you need approximately $10,000 a month um, in your marketplace to pay all your bills and have a very comfortable, nice life. What's going to happen then is if you had probably in most markets, you had five listings at all times, you're going to have at least 1% or approximately 20% of those listings sell per month. Now, you have to get into your MLS, and you have to know your sale rate, and you have to know what the absorption rate is. We teach you that in the real estate treasure map. But once you know that, I've just given you basically your, your ultimate real estate business plan, the only business plan you ever need. So, if you had five sellable listings at all times, statistically, you're going to have at least one of those closed per month, which is going to cover all your business and personal bills. Does that make sense, Julie? Absolutely. Okay. So, that's statistically, guys, how it's going to work. Now, if you wanted to say, for example, go to the next level, you want to climb higher up in the mountain, then it's easy. All you've got to do is basically take more listings. Let's say, for example, you didn't want to just earn 10000 a month anymore. You want to now earn $20,000 a month. Well, the statistics still carry through. So if you double the number of listings, you have to 10, and you have two sell per month, and your average commission is $10,000, now you're making $20,000 a month. This is the power of being a listing agent. You can't have that kind of leverage when you're working primarily with buyers. So it's really important you guys understand that. Okay, Julie, next point.
2: Yes, you got it. It is way more simple than most people think. So speaking of simple, point number five. The top producers know what their product actually truly is. They know that it's profit. We always have fun asking groups of agents and not giving them the answer first, and we always ask them, what's your product? And they get some great answers, you know, happy customers, good customer service, all that kind of thing, and that's all true. But your product, the point of the transaction is profit. And the top producers, the mega agents, they're not weird about it the way some of you guys are weird about it. You can tell by the agents that are a little bit off on this because their cards will say, like, real estate counselor or something like that. That's not, you know, very salesperson-like, right? So it's profit. Get very clear on that. They're not confused. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? Well, why is that?
1: Well, you have to ask yourself why is it that Julie and I drive that point home. And really the simple answer is that nobody else talks to you about it. And if you're not, if you're not sure. really driving profit as your principal motivator, and guys, you are in business. You are, your goal is to make money. And making money by itself, which is most, mostly what brokerages do, they'll make money, but they don't make any profit. Or teams, they'll make money, but they don't make any profit. M- running a business that makes no profit makes you technically a nonprofit, right? But the problem is, right. is that you go broke. And as soon as the market adjusts, as soon as it slows down, then you're really going to experience some serious financial and emotional pain. So our strongest suggestion that we can make to you is you absolutely build your business around profit first. And we teach you how to do that in our coaching program. That's the reason that Julie and I are not advocates of spending money on silliness. That's one of the reasons we're not advocates on big, silly teams that make no profit. That's the reason that our coaching clients, when, you hear, when we're interviewing them, you'll hear that oftentimes the ones that have been with us the longest are millionaires, if not multimillionaires, because we have beaten into them the belief that their product is profit. The way that they gauge their success and forward momentum in this business isn't by the plaques, isn't by the recognition, isn't by the awards. It's by the amount of profit they make. When you're talking to one of our coaching clients, we're talking and they're talking about profit margins. They're not going to be talking about the number of units they sold. When you have an agent, and this happens all the time, it's normal, right? Just, guys, think about this. When you go to a real estate event, and, and you know, it's there to, the purpose of it is to say it's an award ceremony, where do they celebrate? The agent's dollar volume or the number of units they sold? It's number of units if the average sale price is low, okay? It's dollar volume if the average sale price is high. They're always going to brag about the most important mm-hmm. number. But why, does no, but why does nobody celebrate in our industry profit? Why? Why? (laughs) Have you ever thought about that, listeners? How insane is that? Somebody could, you know, earn 100, you sell $100 million in real estate and make virtually the same net margin or net profit as say someone that, and I know this sounds crazy, but this is how the math can work, someone who basically sold maybe $500,000 in real estate. That happens. You know, for example, we've done the math many times with uh, these teams making a million, million and a half, and you look at the profit margins that these guys are making. And most of them are gonna be making for someone who's making about a million dollars, their team, they're doing the branding, they're doing the websites, they're buying the leads, they've got a fancy CRM, they're running you know, all this crap. They're doing all this Mickey Mouse that they've been told to do. And you look at you actually look at their tax returns, or you look, assuming they have any kind of like profit and loss statement, you're gonna see that most of them are making between like hundred and hundred and fifty grand, just depending on how deep into the write-off lands they go. Now, if you go and you interview or you talk with an agent who's maybe earning $250,000 in the business or 225000 in the business, their net profit is the same as the person who's got the team. Now, you might say, well, the team person doesn't work as hard. They're not working with buyers or sellers. No, they're working with the agents who are working with the buyers and sellers. They're running an adult daycare, which is, by the way, more work. Well, the person with the team has leverage. No, they don't. They don't have leverage. They have other people who've leveraged them. And I'll give you the I'll tell you who's leveraging them. The big brokerages that basically force agents to form teams by force, there's quotes around it, but you get the idea. You know, they literally tell you that at a certain point in your career, the next natural thing for you to do is form a team. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. That's them leveraging you. Mm-hmm. That's the big brands leveraging you because they're putting you in a position to sacrifice your time, energy, money and potential to help them add to their agent count. That's the reason big brokerages brag, brag about how many agents they have. So if big brokerages are focused on adding agents and having bunches of agents, right? Doesn't it make sense that when they see somebody that they think that they could seduce into the idea of having a big team, they're going to do it because then they put the big team member in the in the position of having to do all the heaviest lifting in a brokerage, which is recruiting and managing. You guys get it? So you're the ones that are being leveraged. You're not creating leverage. What I'm telling you is the truth. We've done a number of podcasts with folks about this very topic. So if you think, you know, why would Julie and I be telling you this if it wasn't true? Go and listen to a podcast we did not so long ago with Don Yoakum. And there's some other people that have come out of big brokerages where the team model was the, you know, the soup de jour. And you'll have them, you know, on our podcast, they'll tell you the truth. The teams don't make money. The teams fall apart the average lifespan of a team member is you know, usually about 18 months, and then they quit. Why would you want to do that? It doesn't make any sense. Sure, me, it actually creates
2: the opposite, right? It's, it's the opposite of what they think. They think they're going to have a team, so they'll have less stress, less work, less worry, less time management. And it, you know, we've coached so many people that are like recovering team people, and it, it was so – right. it's almost like – a, a black cloud lifts when they downsize the team that they didn't even really realize was so stressful. All they do is really worry about and complain about what happened to all of their leads, right? And what's happening with their closings and what's going sideways and what kind of fires have to be put out and who didn't show up. It's it's like this endless list of, as you said, adult daycare. It's not no stress we're well, it not sitting on the beach all
1: day. It pisses me off it pisses me off for two reasons. Number one, because I know it's, well, three reasons. Number one, I know it's a lie and doesn't produce profit. Okay. Number, number two, it basically sapping up agents that have the potential to actually become independently wealthy because they're being lied to telling, uh, and they're vulnerable to this lie telling, uh, you need to form a business and form a team. Okay. And, and the third one is this first one is basically because they're not making any profit. Those are the reasons it pisses me off. Oh, I remember my original third one, okay? The third reason is, is because when these teams fail, they think they failed, right? So when these
2: teams yeah, fail, that's right. they, will,
1: they have their tail between their legs potentially for years. How many of you listening right now had some team blow up on you, even though you now know you're making more net profit, maybe you decide not to make that mistake twice? So a lot of you do? You go back to the well. You said, I'm going to form a team this time, this time, this time. You keep on doing it. It keeps on not working. And you keep on trying to make it work. You think, I'm going to be the one that actually makes this thing work. Guys, listen, you're not the failure. The model that you're following is the failure. That's the bottom line. You're not the failure. The model and the people who seduced you with the model, they are what's wrong, not you. You're fine, okay? You are. I don't know if every one of you are fine, but let's assume that for the most part you're fine. You're not (laughs) making a mistake. (laughs) The, The business model is a mistake. I'm telling you the stone-cold truth, guys. The the facts are in, okay? And you need to make a decision as to why you got in this business. Did you get in this business to form a team so everyone – you'd have a big bunch of staff, and you'd walk around with your chest puffed out, and everyone would think you were important, which is a lot of what teams are. It's about ego. Or did you get in this business so one day you'd have freedom? You'd have financial freedom that only comes from having a profit. Next point.